1: It's 12 o'clock noon on a Thursday. Today is September 26th, 2019. For those of you listening to this show 100 years from now. Uh, And we have a really fast-moving show today. Uh, Ronnie Milo is going to be with me in a a moment. This is the Renew Life Rx show. Adam Lamb is off uh, opening clinics and doing wonderful things for people. And so Ronnie is here with us again, but that's no... That's no uh, second best because Ronnie is a sharp guy and I like having, having him on the show. I just want to point out that I'm not wearing a, a military-esque type ball cap today. Uh, Elisa said that she's tired of me wearing these army hats all the time. I have a bunch of them. Uh, so she bought me this nice black Adidas one, which uh, makes me look kind of like a fair-skinned Dr. Dre. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Anyway, we have a great, fast-moving show uh, for you today. We're going to not waste any time. We're going to get started right away. The first
0: step to changing your life starts with the Renew
1: Life Show with Adam Lamb. We got to get Adam's name out there, huh? Yeah. I'm going to have to have a, uh, Elliot make another one with uh, with you in it so we can swap it back and forth. I, I want to also mention one other thing. Any of you who are tuning in right now, disconnect... And tune back in and use watch party if you're on Facebook. Uh, that way, other people know you're watching the show, and they will be inspired to click and join. Uh, watch party is a pretty cool thing on uh, Facebook, and so use uh, watch party when you're watching the show today. Get more people involved. How you doing, Ronnie?
2: Good, good, good. No complaints, man. No show, complaints. show the
1: audience your, your 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 hoodie. Come on, representing.
2: Stand that's up a, stand
1: yeah, up Brooklyn, baby, Brooklyn. There we go. go. Everybody oh, wants yeah. to be from Brooklyn. That's,
2: that's the, it. That's, that's it, it,
1: right? Yeah. Uh how are you?
2: Good, good. Can I uh can I give a quick uh what's up to all my St. Thomas Aquinas High School baseball players? Yeah. Uh big fans of the show. I'm the strength and conditioning coach there. Uh every time I get to practice, they're like, Hey coach, when's the next time you're gonna be on the podcast? So they listen. They
1: that's listen. awesome. I remember St. Thomas Aquinas. I remember that. Yeah. School. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh,
2: we have fall ball now. We're in Florida. We're, uh, we're fortunate enough that we can play baseball all year round. So fall ball started. We got about 120 kids, uh, between JV and varsity. I got them in the weight room about six in the morning to seven before school. They take a shower, go to school, and then we're back on the field at five. So they love it. They love it. It's
1: been fun. The best thing in the world is, is to play a sport when you're young because that keeps you from smoking weed. It keeps you from doing all the wrong things. Because if you want to progress in a sport, you can't, you can't live like your dumb friends, right? Uh, staying exactly. up all night playing video games and smoking pot. That's
2: uh, it. You have and to. I said, listen, learn from my mistakes so you don't make the mistakes. And they're
1: like, you know, I, I, it's it's hard to do that, right? Because our parents used to say that they would say, you know, D- don't do as I uh, do, do as I say. Right, yeah. But it's real hard to do that, you know. So it, I, I think the best leaders are the ones that actually lead by example. And that's, that's, that's it's hard to find. But anyway, oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Um, we have three different studies uh, that we're going to be covering kind of in rapid succession. And the, the, the first one that I want to talk about is really was, was quite shocking to me. I'm trying to open it up right now. Um, it, it was uh, the one on overtraining. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think that we all pretty much agree that overtraining is a function of overtraining. Like you're going to the gym too frequently, you're training with too great of an intensity too frequently, you're not taking enough time off, uh, to rest and recover. But this, this study showed that that's completely wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. So talk about it a little bit. Talk about it.
2: Yeah, so I mean if you look at the whole dynamic of the uh, of the overtraining it's not really overtraining that's the issue it's undereating, right? And I've learned that a long time ago in my uh, my my bodybuilding days it's you know you're not overtraining you're undereating, right? So basically like if you look at 99% of the contest prep guys out there, you know what they'll do is they'll uh, they'll decrease calories and increase cardio and increase training periodization. And then, you know, two to three four, or four weeks later, they're not seeing any progression in their clients. So they go ahead and raise the cardio to more, more training, and then cut the calories even more. And they're not getting a, a good result, uh, you know, in the prep, you know. And I've made that mistake myself uh, in, the, in my early years. And I started to really understand that it's not the most time in the gym. It's the most time concentrating on, you know, supplementation, sleeping. And then diet, you know what I mean? Because what happens is when you're training on a consistent basis, you're releasing cortisol, right? We all heard of the old cortisol levels. Plus, you're also uh, uh, taxing your central nervous system. So cortisol does various amount of things in the body, right? Cortisol is very important in human function, right? It's the highest in between six and six to eight a.m. in the morning to help you uh, to wake up. Actually, releases in the morning to get rid of uh, the melatonin to give you kind of get you up in there, up in the morning. And then, you know, subsides probably around uh, noon. That's why everybody wants to take their their nap. You know, that's why they go for their cup of coffee at noon. Uh, Then it raises again, and then obviously it decreases around 6 to 8 at night, and everybody starts to get lethargic and stuff, you know, laying on the couch, watch TV, and try to fall asleep. Uh, But then it raises back up again. And if you're training on a consistent basis, that cortisol levels are increased and raised significantly that when you're ready to go to bed, your body doesn't understand that. It's still into fight-and-flight mode, right? And that's the most important time to keep it, you know, to, to keep it decreased at night so the body could actually function and and, and increase deep sleep, you know, REM sleep. So, um,
1: so, so, so let's talk about the study. So this study was called Novel Causes and Consequences of Overtraining Syndrome. And the causes and, and consequences were really interesting. Um, I'm trying to see. They had a total of uh, 39 athletes. Uh. They were healthy athletes, uh, uh, 14 uh, overtrained already, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and 25 just plain old healthy athletes. Um, and they uh, performed two clusters of statistical, uh, stati- statistical analysis using the endocrine and metabolic response in overtraining syndrome uh, process. And they looked at everything from sleep, caloric intake, uh, training modalities – uh, of, of, uh, they also looked at carbohydrate proteins and, and and they didn't look at fats, but they looked at carbohydrate and protein intake uh, as mm-hmm. compared to complete caloric intake. Right. And I'm going to just go right down to the bottom of the study, right? And then I want to talk about one other thing in it. They said uh, overtraining syndrome can be independently triggered by eating patterns, regardless of training patterns, while the occurrence of overtraining syndrome reduced late hormonal responses and the testosterone to estradiol ratio worsened mood and affected the immunology panel, these novel findings may explain underperformance, which is key characteristic to overtraining syndrome. So I want to repeat this again for those of you who aren't picking up on the, on the, on the nuance here. Overtraining syndrome can be independently triggered by eating patterns regardless of training patterns, this is huge, right? And I'll tell you why I put in the uh, write up for today's show that women may be more at risk for this phenomenon because us guys, we we like to eat and we'll eat, and and society doesn't mind if we eat. Society doesn't. Li- I mean, if you're a Gavon, and, and Ronnie knows what a Gavon is, and you're sitting at a restaurant and you're eating two plates of food, and you're a guy, people go, oh my god, you know, look at how big that guy is. Look how much he's eating. If you're a woman doing that, they, they go, oh, my God, what's wrong with her? Like, what is she? Is she a pig? So women tend to undereat to begin with. And right. then when they're training and then they decide, well, I'm going to start hitting it hard. I'm going to get into the gym. I'm going to double down this week. I'm really going to work out hard. And they're not increasing their intake because they're afraid of what? Gaining yeah. weight. Yeah. Oh, the scale's going up. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it's muscle. Be be happy, you know. Guys see the scale go up. You see a guy at the gym; he's bragging, "I'm two forty two this morning, man. I've gained five pounds this week." People are like, "Oh, go, bro!" A girl goes, "A girl goes, oh, I'm two pounds heavier today. I'm not eating anymore."
2: Right. Yeah. Especially you know when they they essentially starve themselves right because they think eating food is going to make them fat right, and then they start to overtrain. And I see it a lot in bikini competitors. Right? They're they're overtraining and they're undereating. And cortisol actually uh, stores fat, and eats muscle. You know what I mean? It's a big point, too. It also, cortisol also, especially uh, increased cortisol levels, increases blood sugar, right? And blood sugar, obviously, we know uh, could, could store as fat, too. You know, but usually there there's a, there, when I have a conversation with people, and I learned this from a doctor back in the day, and it was, uh, if you could pinch anywhere from your belly button down is more of, of stress cortisol, if you could pinch the back of your tricep it's more of a hormonal imbalance. And if you could pinch the back of your subscapula, which is your shoulder blade, it's more of an insulin resistance. Ninety nine percent of the time, I ask my clients, you know, what what can you pinch? And they go, my lower belly. And I'm like, well, that's stress. That's cortisol, right? right. How are you sleeping? You know, we always ask the question, how are you sleeping? Like, I can't sleep. I get up in the middle of the night to pee and all this other stuff. And then I ask, how's your diet? Well, I'm eating one meal a day. Okay, what are you eating? Oh, you know, I have a salad and that's it. And I'm like, well, there's your, there's your problem right there, right? Undereating.
1: And here's the interesting thing. Prep coaches will take – and this is especially true of women. They're they're getting ready for a competition. They're 16 weeks out. They'll start having them do more cardio. That's not making them lose weight because they're under such a stressful condition already. So then Mm. they'll cut their calories. That's not doing anything. Then they'll have them do more cardio. That's not doing anything. Then they'll have them cut – and the women are, like, being honest, like, no, I'm, I'm only eating 1,200 calories a day. I'm doing two hours of cardio a day, and I still have all this sub-Q fat. The study found out that one of the byproducts of, of uh, overtraining syndrome is the tendency to continue to increase levels of visceral fat. Mm-hmm. Now, think about this. You're in a caloric restriction. You're doing cardio all day long. But your body is storing fat, regardless yeah. of where it's stored. People are, well, oh, uh, that's, uh, that's visceral fat. Yeah, that's hormonal. No doubt about it. But just think about this. You're starving yourself, but yet your body is turning whatever you do get into fat. This is a, a, an amazing phenomenon that people have argued about forever. There's gurus out there say impossible. Even me. You know what I used to say, Ronnie? Uh, You ever see a concentration camp? No fat people. You starve, you get skinny. And that is true when you're eating nothing at all. But when you are eating something, your body goes, okay, we got to do something with this meal. We got to store it because this idiot's going to kill us. Right. Panics. Yes. So when you're under high stress, cutting calories, is while it's intuitive to try to lose more weight, it's counterintuitive because it's, it's going to make you hold on to body fat.
2: Right. And and two things with that is is increased cortisol uh, you know, production actually uh, increases insulin sense uh, resistance, right? So if you're insulin resistance and you do eat, the body's is still gonna store the the fat because it's not able to be utilized. So and then also on that, you know, cortisol uh, down regulates, you know, sexual hormones, you know, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, all those things. So it's really cortisol is really important, but chronic uh, cortisol, especially in pre-contest prep or anything in that nature or high level stress levels from jobs or, or lifestyle is going to definitely affect body composition, uh, especially visceral adipose tissue.
1: Well, and now Diego, uh, Paparella makes a good point, you know, depleted, uh, glycogen stores in the liver is a, is one of the negative feedback loops for the body because that's the last place that the body stores glycogen. So it can send it to mm-hmm. the muscles. Right. Uh undereating, overtraining decreases cortisol. I mean conversion of T four to T three, lowering mm-hmm. thyroid function, which increases cortisol. I don't think that's what increases cortisol. I think it's cortisol is increasing on its own and it's actually a fat. Effect- I think it's the other way around. I think increased cortisol agonizes the thyroid. Yeah, because the body's the thyroid the body's going, Okay, we are not getting enough energy every day to do the job. So you know you know you like in you're in a balloon and the balloon is coming down you start throwing things out right to make it lighter mm-hmm. and go so the body goes okay what can we start what can we start changing about metabolic process well let's lower the resting metabolic rate how do we mm-hmm. do that twofold shut the thyroid down and start breaking down muscle cuz muscle is like the sandbag it's like that's unnecessary caloric demand we don't need that muscle just to walk around let's start getting rid of muscle and you start to see muscle wasting but mm-hmm. The um, decreases in testosterone I'm going to uh, argue with right now because of a study we're going to talk about in sleep apnea. So everybody thinks that uh, certain stresses to the body decrease testosterone when, in fact, it may not decrease testosterone. It may actually decrease the effectiveness of testosterone, and I'm I'm going to put that out there as my own opinion right now. Um, and, and Diego is agreeing, but he, he makes a great point. Once the liver starts running out of glycogen, the body goes, Oh man, we got, we got no battery left. The, the, the liver is the battery. You know, if we're not making glycogen to feed muscle and the, and the liver is becoming more and more depleted, you're basically now now you're on reserve. It's like once the reserve runs out, we're dead. So that's mm-hmm. what triggers the body to go into this super saving mode. If you will, what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, if you look at thyroid, I usually recommend thyroid as like your thermostat for your body, right? It's like the thermostat at your house. If it's hot, the thermostat kicks on, the AC kicks on. If it's cold, the thermostat kicks on, AC turns off. If there's something going on in the system, whether it's high levels of stress, whether it's uh, inconsistencies in diet, whether it's hormonal imbalance, the thyroid's going to try to compensate either being fast or slow to regulate what's going on in the system, right? Right. And a lot of times we have people that have high TSH and they have low testosterone. Well, when we add testosterone therapy or DHEA supplementation in, it regulates the TSH. And then we do blood work three months down the road and we see it start to regulate and fix itself. Right. Same with autoimmune diseases. Right. Autoimmune disease is some kind of disruption in the system. It'll go ahead and, and, and overproduce or underproduce the thyroid because there's some kind of disruption in, in the... In and, the, the thi- and
1: they're trying to get the thyroid to help it out. And, and here's a perfect example of b- about why you're exactly right about that. So there was a study done about 10 years ago on interns, doctors who were pulling uh, internship at hospitals, and they were doing two days continuous, right? 48-hour shifts. Uh, and after the first night of no sleep... TSH plummeted, plummeted. Right. So the early wisdom said, "Oh yeah, because the uh, because the body is, is is being disrupted." Blah blah blah. But if you look at it through an, from an evolutionary perspective, right, the body rewards you when the energy you expend brings in energy. because the body's looking at us like we were hunter-gatherers, right? If we worked all day long and got no food, the body's going, okay, this idiot can't hunt. We got to make adjustments or he will die. And Mm. so sleep is one of those things where if you're not sleeping, then the environment must be hostile. Why are you not sleeping? And as a result of that, the body goes, okay, we have to conserve. Something is really wrong. We have to conserve. And the first domino of conservation of metabolic conservation is to turn the thyroid down because if we burn less calories we need less energy and we can survive even though this idiot can't seem to find food right and really that's an oversimplification and there are scientists who would hear this show and go that guy is an idiot but I guarantee you that this oversimplification is exactly what the thyroid is doing and the body is doing in the face of no sleep, in the face of uh, a high energy output with no uh, energy coming back in. It The body is trying to save itself.
2: Mm-hmm. And then also, too, look at the food sources, right? Right. Our food sources these days are preservatives. They got BPA's in them. That's going to affect thyroid production
1: as well. Yeah, because a lot of those, even chlorine, is a halogen. Chlorine, so so chloride, uh, actually competes with iodide at mm-hmm. the at the thyroid. So if you, the the thyroid wants to uptake iodide, and by the way, estrogen is critical for for iodide bonding in the thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's chloride in the way. Then it blocks the iodine from uptake. Same so you're with right. Low-ride. You're right. Chlorine As well. Yeah. All of those. All. All of those are halogens. Bromide. Definitely. They put in. They put bromide. I think as a leavening agent in bread. Well, it, it bro, high, high intake of bromide can cause thyroid issues. Mm-hmm. Like you put. So all of those. ides, They're called halogens. They're all in the same mm-hmm. class, and they all compete. For, for, for uptake in the thyroid, and they displace iodide. Right. So, yeah.
2: Also, I mean, also, too, you know, uh, I think thyroid medication now is probably the almost, the most over-prescribed drug out there, right? What happens is you go in, your thyroid levels are off, they put you on a uh, thyroid medication, but they don't look at the hormones, right? But the hormones could fix the thyroid issue if they if they identify that. And we have a lot of people come in, they're on thyroid medication already, and then we look at their hormones and they're
1: tanked, you know, they're in the toilet, so... Interesting you say this. Um, People who have thyroid disorders also have sex steroid complications. And so let me give you an example. When someone is hyperthyroid, they're just burning up. They're producing so much thyroid hormone. Men, when men are hyperthyroid, they're also hypergonadal. They produce crazy amounts of testosterone. Right. And, and when someone th- is <laughs> hypothyroid, they produce very little testosterone.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I agree with
1: that 100%. It's a symphony. Uh, right. the, the, other, the other thing um, that I wanted to uh, inject into this discussion, and now uh, I forgot what it was, so that's okay. <laughs> My brain moves too fast for me. But anyway, so the, the bottom line of this was, if you don't want to be in a state of overtraining, increase your calorie intake. Now, does that mean you should eat Pop-Tarts and, and bagels and donuts? No. Be selective and absolutely increase your protein intake for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to eat more, eat more protein first and then eat more carbs. And those carbs should be healthy choices. Uh, if you are going to eat starches, you know, sweet potatoes, uh, rice, and white rice I prefer because it has less uh, uh, anti-nutrients in it. Um, and then your fats, your healthy fats. Like mm-hmm. don't go... Because I did this recently, um, so uh, I guess it was about two months ago, a little bit more than two months ago, I started doing a gram a week of tests as a goof, just to see. Uh, and, of course, I upped my calories, and I, my body really responded quickly. But I ate, I ate garbage, too. I, ate, I i i just said, oh, the hell with it. I'm just going to eat everything I want to eat. Well, of course, I put on a, a certain amount of body fat that I've now gotten rid of again. Mm. But, you know, if if I was more selective – if I would have eaten more white rice and more chicken breasts and and more flank steak, I probably wouldn't have put on the fat. I would have just put on the muscle. Oh well, Absolutely, absolutely. 100%. So be be selective. I right, so good. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: also, uh, high high foods and minerals help uh, help kind of uh, regulate the adrenal cortex system. You know what I mean? So because a lot of people are mineral deficient, you know, because they think they're eating the right foods, and we're we know for a fact that. Foods aren't aren't high in minerals anymore. So mineral high mineral foods will, will or mineral supplementation will help regulate the adrenal cortex.
1: And and there was an adrenal uh, disruptive component of I didn't get into it all the different portions of the endocrine system that are actually affected by overtraining, but uh, adrenal corticoid uh, was, was one of them as well. Obviously, the adrenals are part of the metabolic system, you know, because uh, mm. a, a, a adrenaline makes you react quickly, makes you move faster. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to put you into a state of more activity, let's just say, for, for, for simplest purposes. And if your body is trying to down-regulate energy consumption, the adrenals will also start to shut down as well.
2: Right. And then also over-consumption of caffeine, too, gives you kind of adrenal fatigue or, or chronic cortisol output because that releases
1: cortisol. You know, and this is a big thing. So many of us me included, uh, use stupid amounts of caffeine I on a day-to-day general. basis. You know, right. uh, I, I I admitted that I had to stop using caffeine for a while because I was using so much it wasn't I wasn't feeling it again. Well, when I don't feel caffeine, it's because my adrenals are just tuckered out. Mm-hmm. They're like you've you've had your foot on this gas pedal. We're just not doing anything anymore. That's yeah, when exactly. that's when you're when caffeine stops working for you that's a sign that you got to stop the caffeine not double down on it because your adrenals aren't responding any longer that's it yeah yeah they're overtaxed I so had everyone... I dra- I drank three bangs two weeks ago Monday <laughs> morning before this show and I didn't feel a thing really and that's when I I took the next like five days off of any caffeine and then I drank a cup of coffee and I felt it it was like oh yeah because yeah, my adrenals went oh okay we can catch a breath now. Did you go through any withdrawals or anything? No, I don't go through any withdrawals. In fact, I sleep so much better when I stop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I get yeah. I get I get marked increases in deep and REM sleep when I stop mm-hmm. caffeine.
2: Yeah. Did you get up groggy at all?
1: Um, no, not really. No. But well, I I didn't I didn't have as much energy in the morning until after I trained. Right. Once I trained, I snapped out of it. Uh, The next study I want to talk about is really interesting because, you know, cortisol seems to be a common theme in today's discussion, so everybody pay attention to that. This study looked at serum testosterone cortisol ratios in people with obstructive sleep apnea. They broke this into three groups of uh, OSA. Those who snored a little, those who snored moderately, and those who had, you know, real bad obstructive sleep apnea— where they were having multiple awakenings every hour and they looked at them from a hormonal standpoint because they were looking to see if, in fact, testosterone is affected by obstructive sleep apnea. Now, before you read this study, I think you would have been with me and said, absolutely it affects testosterone level, right? Mm -hmm. But this study shows something completely different.
2: Well, I think it it, it disrupts the processes of testosterone right you know conversion of pregnenolone to progesterone to d to to, uh you know the dhea to testosterone to androgen dion all that process i think it disrupts it so the disruption process is not able to facilitate the testosterone and be utilized efficiently right even though levels could be normal i think it's disrupting the process so it's not able to be utilized the way it needs to be utilized i think that's what that's that's my determination
1: so here, yeah, yes, and so here here's what they said. <clears throat> first of all, what they did was they looked at all four groups, right, normal sleepers, and then the three different levels of obstructive sleep apnea, uh, and I think the highest level of, of obstructive sleep apnea were having something like twenty six awakenings an hour or something like that. they looked at uh they looked at testosterone levels, hey, let me find this again <clears throat> cortisol levels um. They looked at sex hormone binding globulin, Uh, and what they found was there was no significant difference between the normal sleepers and the three subtypes of obstructive sleep apnea in terms of total and free testosterone. The results did show significantly higher levels of cortisol in the severe obstructive sleep apnea groups compared, compared to the normal sleepers. And the two other lesser subtypes. In addition, testosterone cortisol ratio was significantly lower among the OSA, and that's not because the testosterone went down. That's because the cortisol went up. Right. Uh, significant significant correlation between minimal uh, oxy- uh, 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 oxygen and AHI. Uh, so so uh, pulse oximetry and and uh, and uh, apnea hypoxia index to cortisol and cortisol and minimal uh, uh, blood oxygen levels. So the bottom line of this study was testosterone becomes less less effective because cortisol goes through the roof. And Mark DeCorso asked a question that fits nicely into this discussion. So I'm going to tell you, um, yes, and I actually had, the first time I talked about this, Uh, The ability for one bad night's sleep to change blood sugar management levels was with the guy who was working with the uh, United States Olympic uh, skiing team when the Olympics were here in the Northwest somewhere, Colorado, I don't remember where, Uh, and he actually uh, looked at sleep quality and he showed that Olympic athletes with just one, one night of under six hours sleep... Had the blood sugar management of seventy-year-olds. Now, what? What is seven-year-olds? I don't know what he. But the point was that one bad night's sleep causes a hard time for the body to manage blood sugar, and this is why after one bad night's sleep, people crave carbohydrates. They crave right. them. So yes, absolutely.
2: What? So what happens? What I see is if you have a bad night's sleep, your body increases cortisol. Correct. And we know cortisol increases blood sugar, right? So therefore, we'll see uh, we'll see some increased blood sugar. When I do the reviews for the labs, uh, when I have people, you know, clients that uh, we do the reviews with, I look at their glucose level, and they could be 100, 101, 99. And I always ask them, A, hey, have you had, did you have coffee before you did this? Because that could increase blood sugar as well. And they say no. And I say, well, how would you sleep that night? Well, I didn't get really much sleep. And I go, well, there you go. There, That's how I identify the increase blood sugar because blood sugar is just a part of the puzzle. We still have to look at other things to determine if you're going to be pre-diabetic or diabetic at all, right? HB1AC, triglycerides, insulin, those make a true determination. Insulin, on
1: insulin, insulin. Doctors who just look at blood sugar and don't pay attention to insulin are doing their patients an amazing disservice.
2: Amazing Absolutely. disservice. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I mean, we used to look at it all the time.
1: Well, you have to. So yeah. the analogy I started giving years ago, in fact, um, I did a show probably around 2007, and I believe it was a Rutgers University scientist who came on and showed that just by removing caffeinated coffee from type two diabetics' diet, allowed them to reduce their uh, insulin mimetics and blood sugar and, and glucose disposal drugs by fifty percent. To speak to mm-hmm. your point, once you drink caffeine, blood sugar goes right up, even if you haven't eaten anything. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but, but. The uh, interesting uh, uh, thing about that was that they tried uh, they tried decaf, no problem. They were able to drink it and keep their meds low. They tried both because the argument was, oh, well, if you give them caffeine anhydrous – oh, here he comes. If you give them caffeine anhydrous – you're coming back. Uh, the argument was that if you give them uh, caffeine anhydrous, they will – hey, we're on different sides – they they will they will respond differently than if you give them coffee because coffee has some kind of magic in it and that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. They gave them decaf with caffeine and hydras in it, and they gave them full calf coffee, and they both did the same thing. They both raised blood sugar without the increase in carbohydrate intake.
2: Right, because it increases cortisol. Right, because yeah. it's a it's a synthetic version of en- of energy, adrenaline. Right, so it's going to increase cortisol. Increase cortisol. Increases blood sugar.
1: So fasted insulin, I want to talk about this. So fasted insulin is so important. Looking at blood sugar by itself, right? So you you can have somebody who really, they don't sleep well, they eat crappy, and they take their fasted blood sugar and it's 86. And the doctor goes, oh, that's really good. But Mm -hmm. how much insulin are they producing to keep it at 86? And the analogy I have always given is looking at blood sugar alone and trying to determine the level of insulin resistance of a person is like trying to de- determine how fast your car is going by how far away the gas pedal is from the floorboard. You're right. not taking into anything into account. Are you going downhill? Or are you going uphill? You can't tell how fast the car is going just by going, oh, I'm halfway depressed. i got to be doing 60. No, you could be doing 40. You could do, mm-hmm. be doing 90. So when until physicians... On a widespread scale, start looking at C-peptide or direct insulin plus blood sugar. We will never, ever be able to help people who are insulin resistant. Never, ever.
2: No. And they don't want that. They don't want that, right? Because if they knew and they did look at insulin levels, they wouldn't be able to prescribe the drugs.
1: Right. Because they'd have to do things to get the insulin down first. They'd have to say, hey, we've got to change your diet.
2: Absolutely. And we used to see a lot in my old clinic because we did insulin uh, panels. And, you know, you would see insulin in 30s, 40s, even 50s. And we'd be like, well, that's your first problem. You're insulin resistant. How do you know? Well, your insulin levels are through the roof. And
1: right? there's lots of things that make you more insulinogenic. Guess what one of them is? Poor sleep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and doctors don't, they don't ask about sleep. And the only thing they go to is Lunestra. You know, mm-hmm. Lunestra and those types of drugs... Uh, Just because you're laying still with your eyes closed for eight hours doesn't mean you're sleeping. Those people have the same risk of developing diabetes as shift workers because they're not really sleeping. I mean, if I hit you in the head with a hammer and you laid on the floor for eight hours, would you wake up and go, man, that was refreshing. I feel great. Right. Can you come to my house and hit me again tonight? No, you'd be like all out of sorts. Those drugs – and don't forget, to prove my point, those people who use those kind of drugs – they they wake up in the middle of the night go to Atlantic City and, and gamble their their monthly paycheck away go home get back in bed wake up in the morning and never remember doing it
2: or eat the entire refrigerator you know what I mean and then you see little trails of candy wrappers in the bedroom and you're like what Those
1: drugs are friggin horrible they're horrible right. one of the worst classes of drugs there's so many people they change people's personalities I've heard right. I've heard husbands say about their wives once she started taking that sleeping pill man she just changed, she's somebody different now
2: Right. And I've seen, I think I've read a study that they're starting to uh, link those between dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's
1: as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Horrible, horrible drugs. We have to take one commercial break. I'm going to get back on the other side of the screen here in a second. (laughs) And uh, when we come back, we have another interesting study to talk about that looks at the onset of anxiety during adolescence. And it's Mm -hmm. got some interesting implications that maybe doctors shouldn't be prescribing Xanax but starting to do hormone panels for kids. Stay tuned.
0: Men and women heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel
1: younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at New Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years you've heard me talk about see eye drops and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now sixty-one years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using see and having some amazing results. Recently I got an email from a fellow named Chad who because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months developed a cataract. Can see eye drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never Never stop using can eye drops twice a day I've been using them since 2008 he says and you should be too there is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat you'll find everything you need at redcon1 need help getting a good night's sleep try fade out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon1. Go to Redcon1.com that's R-E-D-C-O-N the number 1.com or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon1 banner ad today. Do you use protein powder? Then you'll want to hear this. Thrive Protein is the single best protein blend in the world. Built around what Mother Nature put into Mother's Milk. Thrive Protein is the first human-appropriate protein blend. There's just too much in Thrive to list in this commercial. That's why I'm challenging you to compare your current protein to Thrive. Get your current protein and go to thrivprotein.com and see how your protein's label stacks up to Thrive. For a limited time, get three pounds of Thrive for $59.95 including shipping inside the USA. That's Protein com and code compare get ready to experience protein envy are you still on the fence about body protection complex bpc oral from dr seeds.com listen to maggie kuhn one of the owners of the sea bus lifting company gym in columbus ohio
0: i had been having some baggy Tendon issues that weren't injuries, just just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so it's just older tendon kind of issues. For us, therapists, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do those with literally no pain at all.
1: Go to drseeds.com, d r s e e d s dot Use coupon code. SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC body protection complex today. Move over superheroes. This is the superhuman channel. I don't know why, but I have a hot mic somewhere on this, on this uh, control board here because the commercials don't sound right going out on Facebook and when I said test test and you said test test, it went out over the air and it shouldn't have been because I had your mic muted. So hold on a second. I got. I still have your mic muted. Hold on one second. Um, I don't. I don't know where that's coming from, but we have we have some sort of a hot mic on the uh, control board. I'm going to have to figure it out. But now is not the time. Okay, so we're talking today uh, with uh, Ronnie Milo. This is the Renew Life RX uh, show, and uh, we're now going to talk about a show of uh, a study. And I'm trying to get it up here as quickly as possible. They looked at uh, the development of uh, anxiety, uh, and uh, it, what they discovered was it happens to people uh, during adolescence and young adulthood, and it can continue and last into uh, adulthood. And the reality is that the uh, the reality is that uh, there may be a, a neuroendocrine uh, component to it that doctors are ignoring. Did you have a chance to take a look at this one? No, I haven't. So it's an interesting discussion, uh, and and here's here's the here's why I think doctors have ignored this. So children don't develop schizophrenia until they start going through puberty. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, a lot of neurological disorders that affect young uh, children doesn't take place until they start to go through puberty, which tells you that sex hormones play a role in modulating neuro, neuroendocrine hormones. Mm-hmm. And the same can be true about women who go through menopause and over time men who go through andropause. Their personalities change. I mean, I've had husbands say, you know, they don't even recognize their wife anymore when she went through menopause. It's like a personality change, she became a different person. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of old. You know, you, you look at a lot of old guys that they're in, they're deep into andropause, and people say they're grumpy, they're moody, they're more violent, they're more angry oh, yeah. all the time. So we know that these sex hormones play a role on 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 behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, this study looked at uh, the development window uh, during which emotional dysregulation start to increase, which was adolescence, mm-hmm. and this is when anxiety. Uh, starts to show up in young adults. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the, uh, the the study basically says that they think there may be a testosterone component to it and that more research needs to be done uh, because it looks like the influences of pubertal testosterone on key Im- uh, emotion-regulating circuitry in the orbital frontal cortex amygdala coupling unit and specific testable... Uh, uh hormones could show that when testosterone is introduced in puberty to both boys and girls, by the way, mm-hmm. both boys and girls, that it actually can create the onset of anxiety. And women, young girls, get this two times greater than young boys do. And I really do believe it's because testosterone plays a much stronger – has a much more effect on them because of their sensitivity to testosterone that's my my opinion of it
2: i mean i I have first hand of it i mean i'm with kids all day you know I'm from 12 year olds to 18 year olds and i and i see a lot of them have uh you know i don't know if you want to call it adrenaline dominance anxiety attention deficit and they're on meds too even at an early age you know oh yeah, because you know, I, I gotta tell the, I gotta ask the kids, did you take your meds today? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, you know, just be careful, you know, do what mom and dad say. But you know, my opinion, it's you know, it's terrible. They shouldn't be on that stuff. You know what I mean? But and also too, seeing that you know, uh, puberty is happening at a younger and younger age these days, right?
1: You know it's why not- that is? You know that you know why that is, right? The foods. No, right? no, no, kids. So, so puberty. The cascade of puberty starts when melatonin starts to drop. When you're young, your melatonin levels are probably tenfold higher than when you're older. Mm -hmm. As melatonin starts to drop, puberty starts to kick in. So there's a lot of scientists who say puberty is heralded by the drop in melatonin. Now, you can artificially drop melatonin. You know how? Your kid stays up late at night playing video games, watching TV, and they're interrupting that pulse of melatonin. And we see a correlation. There was a study that uh, Dr. Russell Ryder, who's been on my show numerous times in the past 14 years, uh, he is known as the godfather of the pineal gland. He's authored over 800 papers and some ridiculous number of books used by universities about the pineal gland and its primary hormone, melatonin. And he came on my show many years ago and showed that girls who stayed up late and watched television, you know, they're watching television. Is it the TV? No, it's the staying up late. Girls who stayed up late experienced precocious puberty mm-hmm. almost exclusively when they stayed up late. Girls who went to bed early did not. And the study was very profound. It was like, wow. But no one paid attention because people have. They'll let their kids, mothers and fathers, will go to sleep and say, "Okay, shut the lights when you go up." Kids will stay up till three o'clock in the morning, then get up at six to go to school. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, that that suppression of melatonin, that artificial suppression of melatonin, will give them boobs. Yeah. Will have, cause hair to start growing on on their 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 privates. I mean, it's 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 it forces them into uh, precocious puberty.
2: Right. I thought it was like the soy and all the uh, hormones. And that stuff. could be playing
1: a role. There's no doubt about it. But right. the number one thing that, that switches them into uh, into puberty too soon is having them stay up late every night.
2: Yeah, that makes sense because I mean, a lot of my kids, they, they stay up late. And, you know, They're on social media. They're playing their Fortnite or they're playing their Madden or whatever they're playing. They just stay up late because I always ask them, what time you go to bed? Because they always ask me, what time you go to bed, coach? I'm like 9, 9.30. I'm like, what time do you go to bed? 12, 1. You know, I'm like, how do you, how do you get enough sleep? You got to
1: be up to six for workouts. You know, they don't. And they think it's because we're old, right? They think, yeah. oh, well, you're old. There's you, you? No, 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 no. It's not because we're old. It's because we understand the things that are mission critical to our goals. My goal isn't to be cool anymore. My goal right. isn't to be out there at the club drinking with my friends my goal is to get up in the morning and train hard. My goal is right. to be fully engaged in life. My goal is to achieve my goals. And mm-hmm. I got I to gotta be 100% to do that, and part of that is getting to bed around 9 o'clock. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah. And I tell them that all the time, you know, because, you know, I'm up at 4, training all day. We got practice till almost 9 o'clock at night, you know. I got to be able to function.
1: I mean, these kids, And these kids are doing it, and they're running on fumes most of the time.
2: Oh, yeah. And then they eat like garbage, you know. So all that stuff just adds up.
1: Um, I want to put Mark DeCorso's comment up here, and I want to I want to tell him why this is because I know why it is. He said, uh, "Slightly different detour. I struggled with extreme anxiety. Keto one hundred percent cures it. I'm going to tell you why in a second. Then when I transition into gluten free diet, I keep most of the effects. Okay. Um, so." The reason people get anxiety is because of hypoglycemia. Uh, hormones like testosterone and estrogen and especially progesterone and progest uh, and, and pregnenolone help the body regulate blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason women so so I gotta I gotta weave this together. Women get hot flashes. Hot flashes, they get tremor, they get anxiety, uh <clears throat> They get night sweats. These are all because their blood sugar is dropping. And then the adrenals kick in and it comes back up and then they straighten out. So the reason the keto diet works for people who have anxiety is because it levels out blood sugar. It makes you more insulin sensitive and it levels out blood sugar. That's the the number one fact. Because mm-hmm. all of these anxiety, that, uh, all of these uh, hormonally influenced anxiety episodes have a direct effect on blood sugar. When blood sugar drops, your brain goes, wow, we're running out of fuel. Yep. And you don't know that that's why you're freaking out. You just go, something's wrong, man. I don't know what's wrong. I feel freaked out. Because your brain doesn't have a brain that's looking at it going, oh, don't worry. It's just your brain running out of gas. We're going to turn the adrenals on. And you're going to feel like this adrenaline rush in a minute because we're going to try to liberate some from glycogen to to get to the brain. So all anxiety has a glucose management component. So when you went keto, you fixed that. It took you a while, but once that was fixed, once your insulin sensitivity came up and your body wasn't depending on glucose, it was running on ketones, you fixed that.
2: Right. You fixed that. Because ketones run your brain runs more efficient on ketones, but you had you had Doctor Platt on the show kind of go into that about your your brain needs fuel every four hours, and if you're not eating, your body needs fuel, your brain needs fuel, so it's going to increase adrenaline, right, and then increase cortisol and all the other things, and those have uh, a correlation with uh, increased anxiety.
1: Yeah, and uh, and and again, um, when you manage cortisol, you're indirectly managing blood sugar. And you even said that a little while ago, cortisol and blood sugar. But at the end, the thing that precipitates the thing that precipitates the changes in dopamine GABA, and glutamate is the, the brain's emergency response system that it's running out of fuel. make no make no no, no doubt about what I'm saying here. I, so so in 2002, I got really sick. I was using a lot of drugs, messing around with a lot of stuff, and, uh, and I had to take some time off, and I became an insomniac. I would go to sleep. I'd fall asleep. I'd sleep for an hour and a half to two hours, and I would wake up. Anxiety. Re- I mean, I remember one night, I almost, I, like, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was going to get in the car and drive myself to the hospital. But then it passed. It passed. And I, this was going on for months, months. I would walk around the house in the middle of the night. Everybody was sleeping. The kids were sleeping. I felt like a ghost. I felt like I was haunting the house. Every time I went to search for my symptoms, I inevitably ended up at a women's menopause website. (laughs) Every time. In fact, I became popular uh, at that time. There was a uh, website called powersurge.com, which was later bought by AOL, which was a women's menopause website. And... All these women were suffering from the same problems I was. And and that's when it started to dawn on me. So what I did was I got a glucometer, I kept it by my bedstand, I had a needle in the in the in the lancet and I had it loaded, and I and I had the, the strip right there, just had to push it the rest of the way in. And when I would wake up in the middle of the night in like complete anxiety, I would push it in, pop it and test my blood sugar, and my blood sugar was down in the fifties. I bet, yeah, I bet. I would wake up, I'd be like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? I'd be sweating, I'd be shaking. I-, I would feel all freaked out. Well, sure, that's dopamine and glutamate and GABA all working on my brain as part of the emergency response system. Wake this fool up. We're not getting any fuel. He needs to wake up so the adrenals kick in and right. we get fuel. Yeah. So, but, but make no mistake about it. You manage blood sugar and the GABA and glutamate – and and dopamine, they they're harmonious. They're happy, absolutely. They're happy. Yeah. So yeah, it took me a, a while to figure that one out. And so and I and I have people now who tell me they wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety, and I tell them first thing you gotta do is go to Walgreens, pick up that 1995. They have a 1995 a glucometer. It comes with ten test strips, ten lancets. Put it by the bed. So here's what you'll see: one of two things, and either of them will be irregular so let's say you had your last meal at seven eight o'clock you went to bed you wake up two o'clock in the morning you're sweating you're shaking you 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 pop your finger you check your blood either it's going to be stupid low like in the 50s or low 60s or it's going to be stupid high like in the 200s and and you're going to say well okay the low i get oh i'm freaking out i have hypoglycemia But why am I seeing this hot? Well, because now you're seeing the body after it responded. So you haven't eaten for five or six hours. How could your blood sugar be in the 200s? Because your body had an emergency and it flooded your bloodstream with glucose because it's trying to satisfy the brain. So if you see either of those things, what it basically means is if you see it in the 50s and 60s, you got it done fast. You were still in the episode. If you see it in 180 and 200 and you haven't eaten in five hours, you're seeing the the after-the-episode response of the body to correct itself. Either one of those tells you that you had a hypoglycemic episode. You either are seeing the episode or you're seeing the body's response to it. And then you get your blood sugar straightened out. You go on a keto diet. You start doing things to stabilize insulin sensitivity. Even MOTC could help people like this, by the way. The peptide uh, MOTSC. Yep, yep. Because that that helps correct the insulin sensitivity landscape. And once you get the glucose issues straightened out, you'll sleep all night long. And in fact, if you don't believe me, take three grams of glycine before bed and you'll sleep all night. Because glycine can turn into glucose. It's the most glucogenic amino acid. It turns into glucose without waking your body up. It doesn't need the adrenals. It converts in the liver. So it will keep glucose levels stable all night long and you'll go why? Wow, I slept all night last night. Yeah, it's because the glycine created a a a a gangplank to keep the blood sugar level all night long. You have right. glucose management issues.
2: Right. And that's you know it goes back to your brain needs fuel, right? And if your blood sugar is low, it's going to wake you up and say, "Hey, we need to get something going. I need some fuel."
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, let's do this. Let's run our last commercial break and when we come back we'll wrap up the show. I know you want to talk about uh, DHEA a little bit because it kind of fits into the context of this entire discussion, right? Yep. All right, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you use protein powder, then you'll want to hear this. Thrive Protein is the single best protein blend in the world, built around what Mother Nature put into mother's milk. Thrive Protein is the first human appropriate protein blend. There's just too much in Thrive to list in this commercial. That's why I'm challenging you to compare your current protein to Thrive. Get your current protein and go to thrivprotein.com and see how your protein's label stacks up to Thrive. For a limited time, get 3 pounds of Thrive for $59.95, including shipping inside the USA. That's thrivprotein.com and code COMPARE. Get ready to experience protein envy.
2: Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is
0: custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest.
1: You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest, best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevry found himself. He had to create Mito Red Light so you can get the strongest, best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to mitolredlight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere plus free shipping inside the USA and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to mitolredlight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T dot
0: New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients if you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like synthogen x2 delivers see why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at synthogen.com mass pro synthogen when you train with it
1: you'll gain with it are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs. Unlike pills and powders, Live On's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl L-carnitine, and alpha-lipoic acid to where they need to be your cells. Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's tryl slash Carl. This
0: is the superhuman channel
1: where brawn and brains
0: finally meet.
1: Well, if you heard some tapping a second ago, I, I found the hot mic. It's in this monitor right here, and it's causing all sorts of feedback, and uh, I'll get it fixed Sounds after today's
2: good. show. So like you're playing the
1: Chinese chimes. Yeah, Oh, well, then there was feedback on feedback. It was like it kept tapping and kept tapping. I only tapped it once, but it's like it fed back and then fed back again, and then it progressively got worse and worse and worse with all these squealy noises. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, I'll get that fixed today. So anyway, all right, so you want to talk a little bit about DHEA in the context of uh, pretty much all three of these discussions today,
2: right? Yeah. So so we do a DHEA test on our blood work, and we test for DHEA sulfate. And there's two types of DHEA. There's DHEA and there's DHEA sulfate, and we measure the sulfate. That's actually a longer half life in the bloodstream, right? And the majority of our patients come back with low DHEA levels, as long as as well as low testosterone and estrogen levels. And then, obviously, in the screening process, we always ask them, you know, what, what kind of lifestyle you got going on or what kind of, uh, you know, kind of stressors you have in the life. And usually 99% of the time, a lot of people are under a lot of stress. So we start to see a lot of low DHEA levels. Now, we, we go ahead and prescribe a DHEA based on on uh, on the, uh, DHEA levels. Uh, food pharmacy, it's a prescription-based DHEA because who knows what you're going to get on the supplement market. You know, we know. And it's the wild, wild west. So, you know, we always prescribe them through, through one of the pharmacies. And we use that in conjunction with, uh, with testosterone therapy because DHEA plays, plays a, a, a crucial role in testosterone and estrogen and progesterone and pregnenolone. And also, uh, we see a lot of low DHE levels that are, you know, uh, correlated with, you know, type 2 diabetes, depression, decrease of bone density loss of sexual desire, osteoporosis, sleeping problems is probably the number one thing that we see all the time, gaining of the weight, uh, you know, joint pains, muscle loss, and fatigue. So I think that uh, we we put a lot of people, men and women, on the DHEA supplement, you know, low dose, 25 milligrams uh, before bed, to actually help with the suppression of cortisol to help with increased sleep quality. And we have a good success rate when we start to implement the DHEA levels at night. They, they report back that they have very, very good sleep quality the next day, and they're like, oh, I haven't slept like that in, in a long time. And it was basically just identifying the DHEA and adding in a DHEA supplement that was a quick fix. And then, obviously, we, we, uh, we keep that in conjunction with the testosterone therapy because it helps with the circulation and the metabolize, metabolizing of the testosterone, um, you know, into androstenedione. So.
1: What about, is it wise to take DHEA at night? Can it, because DHEA has a, uh, a an agonizing relationship with melatonin. Mm-hmm. So if you take DHEA too late, can it hurt the pulse of melatonin?
2: It could hurt the, the pulse of melatonin. And then, you know, usually when I, when I tell them to take it at night, I make them report back to me in the morning how they slept. If they didn't sleep good at all, then I take it out at night and, and add it in in the morning. Because it is increasing or decreasing the melatonin production. You know, majority of the times they say, hey, I slept great. You know what I mean? Uh, and it all depends on where their DHEA levels are. You know, if they're in the tank, you know, 25 milligrams at night, it's, it's going to help them, you know, decrease the cortisol and then help them with, uh, with deep sleep. But, yeah, like I said, majority of the time I always ask them, you know, how did you sleep? And they say I didn't sleep good. Or they, they said I got up the next day. I was groggy. I was kind of like a cloudy brain. And I said, well, let's go ahead and take that out and add it in the morning. And then you'll see different different effects from that.
1: Now, I have 100-milligram DHEA caps. Is that too high?
2: Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's no really too high or too low. It all depends on your DHEA level. I personally take 50 milligrams in the morning with pregnenolone and 50 milligrams at night. Uh, that's just me. Uh, so I don't think 100 milligrams is too much. But like I said, everybody's different. And it all depends on your DHEA levels. If you're on testosterone replacement, you should be on a DHEA because your body will not produce DHEA if you're giving it your body an exogenous source because it thinks, "Hey, I don't need to make it." You're giving, a body, it's, you're giving your body an exogenous source, so it doesn't need to make it. But we still need it for human function, for sexual function.
1: Yeah, I, you know, consistency is an important word. Uh, I've been thinking. I, I'm always thinking about the word consistency. I, I don't take DHEA consistently. So I really don't know if it's doing anything good for me or not. Uh, you know, I really need to take it consistently. I used to take it consistently, but I become inconsistent about it. so many things just because there's just so much to do every day. Um, mm-hmm. But I do need to start taking it every morning like clockwork with fatty food, with fatty food. You absorb it better uh, absolutely. with fatty food.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a sexual hormone, so it needs that fat.
1: Now, if anybody's listening to the show and they're thinking, man, you know, I hear a lot about HRT, hormone replacement therapy. I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. I'm not even on the fence yet. It's not even like I've been on the fence about it. I've just been thinking about it. How easy is it for someone to just get in touch with you or someone at Renew Life Rx and get some simple questions answered?
2: Yeah, it's, it's fairly easy. You could go on our website, RenewLifeRx.com, Renew Life and there's a uh, contact us or schedule a call. And then when you fill that out, I'll get the notification. Or you can email me direct at Milo, M-I-L-O, at RenewLifeRx.com.
1: And I know a lot of people that use you. They email me, and uh, you, you have a lot of really happy men and women who work with you.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I take, I, you know, when I when I talk to somebody on the phone, I take about a good hour and a half just to go over everything, make sure they're comfortable, make sure they have any questions. You know what I mean? We, we want to make sure that they're fully comfortable because we want to put health care back in their hands instead of, you know, uh, keeping it from them. And I always want to make them comfortable doing what they're doing, because it's a big decision. Right. It's not like going to the store and buying creatine. It's messing with your hormones and your health.
1: Uh, we missed one thing that Mark DeCorso said I want to throw up here right, right, real quick. Um, he said, kids don't exercise either, and this is a sad reality. Uh, if if inactivity is as important for health and longevity uh, with adults, right? They're now saying that inactivity is a bigger killer than tobacco today, and it, it's true. People don't move, and the body just doesn't do well, and you don't last long. But think about it this way: when we were kids. We were out all day long playing, all day. We all day. At, at least walking all day long. You know, maybe we were, yeah. And then you got the kids that, that play sports on top of it. We were riding bikes. Yeah. Today, kids don't do anything. They sit around and watch television, walk to the refrigerator, come back. You know, childhood obesity is an all-time high. It's, it, it's, we're acting, you know, people are so freaked out about like, oh, you know, uh, uh, the, the climate change. Look, we're going to be dead way before the planet becomes uninhabitable if we stay on the path we're on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like climate change is going to fix itself because all you people, not that listen to this show, but all those people out there who are so overweight, their kids are so overweight, like, you, you guys are just going to die young. That's it. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it. it so... I don't understand why nobody – like, like I don't understand why all these politicians aren't talking about the compounded effects of the large population uh, that suffer from illness and obesity in this nation. We just ignore it. You can't talk about it because if you tell somebody they're fat, you're bullying them.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So you can't talk
1: about it. I was 330 pounds. I have a card in my wallet that says that I'm a card-carrying fat person. So I can look at somebody and say you're fat if they mm-hmm. oh you're 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 a bull no I'm not a bully I used to be fat too oh really how'd you fix it because fat look fat people don't want to be fat the truth right. is we didn't I didn't want to be fat mm-hmm Absolutely, but we gotta you know, do something, man.
2: I, when I see somebody that's overweight, I, you know, I look and I'm like, there's definitely something going on in their system, whether it's hormonal, whether it's uh, mental. You know what I mean? You know, they don't, you don't, because you don't just get that way overnight. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's, uh, it's 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 built up over time. So, and then I want to reach out and help them, but you know, in this in this age, you can't can't approach these people. You know, you can't approach these people. So
1: I, I hung out with Ron Penner uh, last week, and it's really funny. You know, we were talking about that. You know, he said, you know, you can't help people who don't want to be helped. Right. You can't. And all the goodness in your heart, it doesn't really matter. You see somebody and you want to help them. Now, if somebody comes to you and asks you for help, that's different, right? Right. Okay. But when you see somebody that's struggling, you say, hey, well, how do you sleep? And and, and he said, you know, you really can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Right. And so that's why it. even why even try? So this past weekend, Elisa and I have this new thing. There's a Texas roadhouse close by. I love their ribs. I've fallen in love with their ribs. And we get one blue moon beer and we split it between us. Okay? And so the waitress came up and somehow she got on this topic that everybody in her family has diabetes and heart disease. And the old me would have said, well, how do you sleep? What's your diet look like? Do you, do you like, I would, the new me said, oh, don't worry about it. Live your life. Enjoy the food that you, that you eat. And she said to me, I like that advice. And she walked away happy. Yeah. If I would have started grilling her all, how do you eat? What do you, she would have walked away and thought, this guy's a dick. Yeah.
2: Like absolutely. she wouldn't, have,
1: she wouldn't have seen me as somebody trying to help her. She would have seen me as somebody like trying to block her ability to have fun and enjoy her life.
2: Right. Exactly. You know, And unfortunately, in a society these days, you can't say that. You know what I mean? You got to just go with the flow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it's good discussion. Uh, The website is RenewLifeRx.com. Go there today. Be younger by next year. That's the goal. HRT works, baby. I'm living proof of it. 61 years old. And, you know, I got my problems, and I'm actually fixing them. But most of my problems have been brought on by... Uh, excessively intense training and not being smart about it. But I mean, I see friends of mine. I was talking to a guy at the gym the other day and he just looked so old to me. And I said to him, "Don, how old are you?" And he said 63. I said, "Don, I'm 61." And I think it shocked him because he walked away a couple seconds later. It's like I'm crushing it. I look I, I'm, I'm going to say this not because I'm bragging because there's a lot of people out there way, 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 way stronger than me. But when I go to the gym, I'm using maximum weights in everything I can do right now. You know, I got some problems with my left foot, so I got to be careful about squatting. I'm going to try to squat next year, but I'm building my legs up now. But I'm using maximum weights in everything I do still today and i wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for hrt i don't kid myself if it wasn't for peptides if it wasn't for my my quality of sleep i track my sleep i fix my sleep i make sure my sleep is good if it wasn't for my diet the way i eat you know it, it can be done you don't have to get a friggin disease you don't exactly exactly and, and even and cool even tool. if you got a disease you'll 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 turn out better if you get on this boat with us and paddle along,
2: right? Ahead, I'm and sorry. And that's and, that, and that's the thing too is like you know a lot of guys at the gym they come up to me and talk to me and they're like, man, I see you you know training pretty heavy. You know, how, how do I get like you? I'm like, you don't understand what we do behind the scenes, right? The diet, the you know the therapies, the uh, the nutrition, the supplements, all that stuff. You know, right. Sleep. They don't understand it. They just think go to the gym, throw some weights around, call it a day, go eat what you want and do what you want. But they don't see what we do on the on the
1: back end. So, a couple of years ago, I was still leg. Pre- I, I, I did my last heavy leg press session in February of 2018, right before I went for the first foot surgery. Mm-hmm. And, and I had uh, um, one, two, three, and ten, 16 plates a side. My last set, I did five reps with it. You know, yeah. it felt good, but it felt heavy. Yeah. And I remember some guy saying to me that he used to lift heavy. Uh, because you know when he was younger but now he can't because he injured himself and he says you know you should you should back down too you got to be careful you're getting older and i remember saying to him and i know i was a cocky ass for saying this i says oh i i says i used to lift heavy too i said but now i lift heavier yeah exactly you know it's like i want to keep getting stronger i absolutely do and and wh- what will probably happen is there's going to come a point maybe when i'm in my 70s where i can't keep getting stronger But the fact that I keep chasing getting stronger will keep me strong. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily getting stronger, but it'll keep me strong. And all the evidence is out there that the stronger you are, the more muscle you carry into your late 60s, the higher the probability that you'll have a much longer life and health span. Right. Lower mortality rate. Yeah. 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 I mean, so you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm down with this. I'm going, I'm going yeah. for it. I'm going to keep yeah. training as hard as I can. Smarter. I don't want yeah. to break, I don't want any more surgeries. I don't want to break anything else anymore. You know, definitely mm-hmm.
2: smarter. Right. But, well, you know, we live by the mantra, never satisfied.
1: Right. Uh, with, with the work that you do in the gym. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, I always want to do better next time. I always do. Oh. I always go
2: into the gym with an idea like I'm going to be better than last last time.
1: And it doesn't have to be, you know, it could be marginal, it could be one more rep. It could be yeah. the the 17 reps you did was so much easier than the 17 you did last time. Mhm. You know, yeah. it, it's 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 not always chasing adding weight. Sometimes it's just how you feel doing the movement. Right. I started using BFR uh, blood flow restriction recently. I'm going to be talking about this in the upcoming months. We have a new sponsor that's coming aboard that actually has the real legit. It comes with the the the, the pump, and it right. it reads out in and milligrams of mercury. Mm-hmm. And so you can do both arms. You know, you do your upper arms to uh, 265 milligrams of mercury. You do your upper legs to 330 to start out with, and wow. You know, I've never been able to get my arms to grow.
2: Yeah. I, I, just, I heard you talking about that with Rob the other day.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like this stuff, man. I, I, and, yeah. and I left them on after the training. I left them on, and I came into the studio, and I was pumping my arms, and it was my 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 forearms were still pumped. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel that day? I definitely feel that night I, I took the bands off after the show. And the rest of the night, my arms were pumped. And then the next morning, I woke up, and they felt normal. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say they got bigger yet. I don't want to start blowing smoke up people's ass. I, I want to yeah. do it for a couple months and see. My yeah. arms have never, ever, ever grown. No matter what kind of weight I've handled, I just don't have the genetics for big arms. I think mm-hmm. these BFR bands are going to change that.
2: Yeah, I used to mess around with it back in the day. Uh, I haven't used it lately, though. But I, I, I used to do this for legs. Like squats and and uh, extensions, the, the pump is is out of sight.
1: I'm using them for extensions. Yes, the pump yeah. is out of sight. It really out is. I was thinking of putting them on and going walking in the morning.
2: Yeah, probably. Or how about walking on a treadmill at an incline?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Or riding a bike. Yeah. yeah, riding a bike will probably hurt you.
1: <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if I could use uh, a blood flow restriction to make my neck bigger. No, nah, I guess not, huh? Just don't squeeze put, it. Put, too a, hard. put a rope around my neck. <laughs> don't squeeze it too hard. No, no. All right, Ronnie. Good spending time with you, brother. Do you my man. I appreciate you. I will right, we'll see everybody later. Thank you for listening and share the show. Please uh, blow up. You know what? The more we share this show, the more often we share it, the more people who actually want to change can change, and the impact will be less sick people in the country, and we will Ooh. all pay lower health insurance. So That's it, it works yeah. out. I see everybody later. Thanks for watching and listening.